tonight I am going to just talk to you from my heart. Would you allow me to do that? The pastor sort of asked me to do that tonight. And uh, as you know, he is not able to be with us. And I have something very important that I want to talk to you about that I have uh, felt strongly in the Holy Ghost uh, ever, every, ever since I made this decision to talk to you on what I'm going to talk to you here tonight. Before I get into our thought and our message, I, uh, well, let me have you read our scripture. Let's go to, with me uh, to St. Luke chapter 10. You don't need to stand because as you know, I do a lot of scripture reading and if we did that, we'd be up and down like yo-yos. So just relax and get your Bible out if you've got it. And if not, why look closer on the screen. I know I give our people upstairs probably a hard time trying to stay up with me on scripture reading. But God bless them, they are very good at it. And I appreciate it very much. We're looking at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Verse 38, I'm going to read from 38 through 42. And I want you to follow along with me here very closely on these verses. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered, this is speaking of Jesus, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus feet and heard his word but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said Lord dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone bid her therefore that she help me Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I want to speak for a little bit here tonight on the simple subject, choosing the good part. And I say that because I think that the church has come to a place that we are in now and that we are approaching in which we are going to have to know what is the good part of our walk with God. Praise the Lord. Uh, I have been feeling this for a couple of months and it amazed me when I went to camp and, uh, and I was rubbing shoulders with a number of our pastors and ministers throughout Florida that many of them were all experiencing the very same thing. And I've heard our pastor in the pulpit mention the same thing as well in his preaching. And that is that we are approaching a day and time in, and I suppose the church age or in the world that we're living in, in which you and I must know what we believe. We must believe it with all of our heart. We must be committed to our walk with God, and we must love the Lord with all that is within us. Maybe it will be a situation where we may go through some tests and trials. Maybe it will be a time in which uh, things can get very blurry, and we'll just simply have to know where the lines are. I remember driving one time on a highway for many, many, for all day long, coming, driving down from Indiana down to Florida right by myself, and most of the way it was rainy. 
And after a while, it seemed like that there was a white haze. It was just you're driving through a white haze. The cars was kicking up that, that mist, you know, and it was a white haze until the lines and the road became blurry to me. And I said, I can't see the lines anymore. I knew that was getting dangerous. And I had been driving all day long. And I, I sensed that. I said, I can't see that yellow line, that white line on the outside. And I'm not sure about the dot, 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 dot line on the inside. And I remember uh, getting ready to call my wife and says, I don't think I'm going to be able to get home today. I'm going to stop at a motel, check in and sleep tonight and come in tomorrow. But I stopped at a wayside and I just drank a drink and cooled down a little bit and sort of took a little breather. And I got back in my car and to my amazement, I could see the lines again. Now I'm talking to us about because I think the lines get blurry sometimes and I walk with God in the day and the hour in which we're living. Praise the Lord. I read an article this week in, uh, in the, I think it was the uh, USA Today newspaper in Ocala, Florida. It's where I received it and I suppose you had the same thing here. Where it mentioned about, <clears throat> about people are talking about the Bible in bar rooms. How many of you read that article? All right, several of you did. It's becoming a popular thing to talk about the Bible, to talk about Jesus, uh, you know, in bar rooms and things like that. I think that's good. I think that any time you talk about the Lord is a fine thing. But along the way, there are going to be those who are going to say, I don't like that kind of thing. I think we are to leave the Bible out. I saw another article not long ago where it says that we need to take the Ten Commandments and cut them down to about four. And when I heard that there was a judge, a, a national judge who wanted to cut the Ten Commandments to four, I told my wife, I said, I know which four they are. They're the last four in the Bible. They're the four that has to do with man's relationship with man, not man's relationship with God. And I tell you that because as we go along, I think more and more we are going to see situations and elements that will cause us to have to know what we believe and to have a good grip on Jesus Christ and to know, praise the Lord, within ourselves that our God is the mighty God of heaven and earth and he loves us and one day Jesus is coming soon and he's going to come back for his church. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so there are a lot of things going on in this world. If, if there's ever been a time that the church needs to draw nigh unto God, it is the day and hour that we're living now. Praise the Lord. And Paul spoke of it and says, as you see the day approaching. Amen. And so more than any other time that I think in the history of the church, this is a church in which we have been blessed abundantly in America. Every country hasn't had that blessing. But in America, we have been blessed abundantly. Praise the Lord. We've had the freedom to worship. We've had great churches. You can come to this church. We've got air conditioning. We've got padded pews. You know, I can remember when there was nothing but slat benches. You know, just slats. Just they were spaced apart, back and the bottom. Sometimes I've been in churches where there was no backs, just benches and in no air condition we were fortunate one time when we had fans that would blow across the room and we felt like wow we have arrived you know to have fans blowing through one side of the building and out the other side and uh, it was just a great improvement but i'm just telling you here today with all of the blessings of god and all the good things of god that we have 
we have to say to ourselves, praise the Lord, I don't know what tomorrow holds. And I don't know what's coming down, but I know one thing, praise the Lord. I want to always serve God and, amen, and walk with him uh, in those things that are the good things, the good side of things. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about this incident that happened with Jesus and Mary and Martha. First of all, he was invited into the house. The Bible speaks of it as, Mar as Martha's house. It says into her house. I gather it was her and Mary's together. And then it goes into the part here, it says, Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. Now, it appears that when Jesus, the guest, came into the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, that was their brother, and he had been risen from the dead by Jesus, whenever Jesus was brought into their home, it appears that Martha was concerned about the domestic affairs of the house. How clean was it? Was everything all right? Well, how much food do we have to put out? Uh, can somebody make the coffee? Can somebody get out the cake? Can somebody uh, warm up some left leftovers maybe? Uh, what needs to be done? Praise the Lord. Where with Mary, as soon as Jesus came in and sat down, and begin to talk and teach, she was fascinated. Now stay with me on this. She was fascinated with his presence. She was fascinated with his words. She was fascinated with his teachings and doctrine. She was fascinated that she could just simply sit at his feet and listen to all the things that he had to say. Praise the Lord. And Martha, being so concerned about the other things, began to dither around about that. And she had a problem with her sister not helping her with the domestic affairs. Amen. Now, let me just uh, talk to you a little bit about this incident here that happened with these ladies. Uh, here is Martha concerned about all the things that have to be taken care of. Here is Mary that's wanting to spend time at the feet of Jesus. Now, all of us come to this place. We all come to this place in life in which we are torn between the things that have to be done naturally and also the things that we want to do or that we know that needs to be done spiritually. And we found, find ourselves in between, praise the Lord. And sometimes we are prone to, let's, to say to ourselves, let's take care of the natural things first. Let's make sure we get those things done. I know that we all, we have jobs to work, but children have to go to school. There's the house cleaning that has to be done. There's the bills that's gotta be paid. There's the car upkeep that's gotta be done. It goes on and on and on. But in all of those things in life, folks, there is something that is more needful than everything in all the world in our lives. And that is that spiritual upkeep that we need for the soul. Praise the Lord. It's always been interesting, and this is a great and fine crowd here tonight. It's always been interesting, though, that we Sunday morning is always a bigger crowd than most any other crowd through the week, you know. And uh, Sunday morning, the church is very full. Sunday night, there's less people. We come Wednesday night, there's even less people even than that. I'm pointing that out because along the way, there are people who sort of drop off, yet that need to be in the house of God 
and to be at the feet of Jesus and to feel his presence and to hear his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <clears throat> and the Bible says, how can we hear lest there be a preacher and how can he preach lest there he be sent? And so I stand here tonight here to tell you, praise the Lord, that Jesus did not take away from Mary what she was doing. Your desire to be in God's house, you have to fight for that many times. There's going to always be something that comes up that'll keep you out of the house of God. In our walk with God, as we serve the Lord, praise the Lord, this, this thing about uh, making a right division is very important in our, in our lives and in our walk with the Lord. And the Bible tells us, praise the Lord, that Jesus said that would not be taken away from Mary, what she has. I want to just tell you right now today, in the day and hour in which we're living, the most important thing in your life is your faithfulness to God. You have to fight to go to church. There's going to be things that will crop up along the way. I had in-laws that used to come visit us, my wife's parents, they were not saved and they would always seem to arrive on Sunday afternoon and my wife and I would say to them, oh, so glad to see you, we haven't seen you in six or eight months, so glad mom, dad to see you, have you have, just make yourself at home, we're going to church. And they would scratch their head, especially when they first got married. To, I mean, we got first got married, they scratch their head and say, well, we just got here. Aren't you glad to see us? Aren't you going to spend the evening? Do you have to go to church on this night? We just got here. But you see, we make our priorities. We establish them. Praise the Lord. And there are some things that you absolutely have to establish. I'm going to go to church when there's church time. That's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Every time the church doors are open, if you'll make it a point in your own life and say, I'm going to the house of God, there'll be days you won't feel like it. There'll be times you just don't want, you will not want to go. There's times you're too tired to go. There's times that you're weary. There's times that things are happening in your life that you just don't feel like going to church and worshiping. But you go anyhow because that's what you do. That's who you are. Praise the Lord. You're a child of God. You worship the Lord. That's what we are. That's what we do. Praise the Lord. We are worshipers of Christ. Amen. And so we go to the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we are found in his presence. When you get to the house of the Lord many times, it's a temptation not even to put forth the effort. Sometimes we say, oh, I don't feel like it. Well, do it anyhow. Sometimes you say, I'm tired. Well, just praise him anyhow. Sometimes you say, you know, it's just not my day. I had a bad hair day, as they say, you know. Well, praise God. Just praise him anyhow. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, thank God that there's some things that we just have to say, Lord, this is going to be first and foremost in my life. All those other things, praise God, they will wait. Amen. And I've said this from the pulpit before, and I'll say it again here tonight. Some of you ladies, amen, sometimes you got to leave the house unkept. Sometimes there has to be maybe a bed unmade or some dishes in the sink. Whatever you do, come on to church anyhow. It'll be there when you get back, I promise you. Praise God. But be 
in the house of God. And when you get here, praise God, worship God, and glorify him and magnify his name. Praise the Lord. And tell the Lord you love him. Praise God. And when it's all over with, you can go on back home. Hallelujah. Praising God and magnifying him and worshiping him because that's more important than anything else that we've got going in our lives. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many of you folks remember some of those old services, <laughs> old-fashioned type? Used to go to church, amen, it'd be 2 o'clock in the morning before you got out. Right. How would you like to be one of those, huh? I mean, get slain in the spirit. I'm talking about really, I mean, just knocked down by the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and talk in tongues, not for three minutes, not for 30 minutes. I'm talking about for an hour or two hours. Lay there and just talk in tongues and talk in tongues. Praise the Lord. How long has it been since any of us, praise the Lord, has ever been hit with the Holy Ghost and you started singing in tongues? Oh yeah, I've heard that singing. The Bible talks about it. Singing in tongues, it calls it singing in the spirit. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you folks, there is a world of blessings and a world of many things from the Lord that God wants to give us. But our lives in America, we are so busy. We are such a high scheduled people. Everything is right on the money. Everything is right on time. Everything is right there. Praise the Lord. And if it's church time and it's about over with, people start looking at their watches. They start saying, it's about time he gets through. It's about time for us to go home. Amen. Pastor went over 10 minutes today. I saw a couple of people glancing at their watches. He's 10 minutes past 12. Amen. Well, so what? Hallelujah. Jesus may come in the rapture 10 minutes after 12. Had you rather be driving down a road going home or to a restaurant? Or would you rather be in the house of God glorifying the Lord when Jesus comes? Praise God. And so I'm pointing out to you here that this is a situation and condition that is, I think, beginning to come around in America. And you and I have to draw close to him. Now, I have used this illustration before. I'm just going to touch on it just briefly. But in the 13th chapter of Matthew, it talks of Jesus gave a parable and said there was a sower who went forth to sow. <clears throat> he said some seed fell on good ground, pardon me, some seed fell by the wayside, and some seed fell on stony ground, some fell on thorny ground, and some fell by the, uh, on good ground. Praise the Lord. And then he went on to say, he gave the interpretation of that later on in that 13th chapter of Matthew, and it's also found in Mark and in Luke as well. He says these words, he says, he that, that where the seed falls, the, feet, the seed is the word of God, and the ground is the hearts of men. And whenever the seed fell on wayside, it was as though people heard the word, and it didn't mean anything to them, and they went on their way, and it just never took root, and it, that was the end of it. That that fell on the, the, uh, in the stony ground was that that took hold. And it began to grow, and a little plant began to grow out of that ground. But because it was stony, too much stone, not enough earth, that that plant did not grow very far. It's like those who, and they want to say this, like those who hear the word, but whenever the trials and 
and the persecutions because of the word comes along, they wither up and they die and they do not serve the Lord. Now all of us have known people in both of those two categories. And he went on to say though, that those who fell among the thorns were like those who fall on good ground, but it's full of thorns and they begin to grow and as they do, they get choked out by the thorns. They are choked out. It says that the trials of, it says that the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, it talks about uh, the pleasures of life over in the book of Luke. These things begin to choke out. And it shows here that both the stony ground, the thorny ground and the good ground are people continue to walk with God. The good ground were those who brought forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. But praise the Lord, the other were those who never brought forth fruit. And the point that I'm bringing out to you here is that it doesn't say they lost out with God. It doesn't say they went back on the Lord. They just became unfruitful. And I said, God, am I anywhere in this? Lord, I don't want to be among the unfruitful. You know, do, am, am I letting the cares of this life and I'm letting the deceitfulness of riches, these things can get in the hearts of saints of God until we pursue these things. And then the next thing you know, we're not fruitful for God. And I'm pointing out to you here the pleasures of this world. We can get caught up in those things. We still go to church. We still are we still there on the pew. And sometimes we're there, but our minds are not quite there. Amen. But the Bible talked about the good ground. It talked about the same thing as it did with Mary and Martha about that good thing that she did. She took, chose the good part. And it's amazing. <clears throat> thank you. <clears throat> it's amazing that uh, with Mary and Martha, it did not say that Martha's was the bad part. It just said Mary's was the good part. Martha, is that what you're doing bad? No, it wasn't bad. It was just that her part was carnal. And in relation to Mary's part, it's way down here and Mary's is way up here. You can't put them on the same plane. Praise the Lord. And I'm pointing out to you here that God wants us to choose that good part. He doesn't say it is the better part. He doesn't say it's the best part. He only says it's the good part making everything else, amen, not even in the running. Everything else, you can't even say it's anything, but it's simply carnal. Praise God. So I'm pointing out to you here, and I think God wants us to draw nigh unto him. Folks, there is a storehouse of blessings and the power of God. I want to speak to you from my heart. I get tired many times of seeing so many of our people afflicted. I think that God wants to do and can do more healing than what is done. I see too many people with afflictions and sicknesses and situations among us. And I know God can take care of them just like that. I've seen God do so many things, but I know that it takes us saying, God, we are going to draw nigh unto you. We're going to get close to you, Lord, so that we can have you to bless us and touch us. There are some things, folks, that only he can do. Nobody else can do them. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> the scriptures that I'm bringing out to you here, the scriptures are letting you know here that the Lord, praise the Lord, wants us to worship him. That's what Mary knew. I'm going to get at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to worship God. And Jesus said, that is the needful thing. This is what he said whenever he spoke <clears throat> about Mary's part. He says that she has chosen the good thing, that thou art troubled by many things, Martha, but in this 42nd verse, he says, but one thing is needful. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. Praise the Lord. And here are those that the seed falls on good ground. It doesn't say better ground. It doesn't say the best ground. It just says good ground. Praise the Lord. And I want you to know that God wants all of us, praise the Lord, to have that good part in our lives and down in our hearts. Praise the Lord. He wants us to pursue that and that we might seek that with all that is within us, that God has some wonderful and great things for us. Praise God. Now, let me go a step further here. I want you to, I want you to turn over here to the book of Exodus with me for a moment. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little rat, it's a little scratchy here tonight. But I want you to go with me to Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. And uh, I want to talk to you here because Mary, or Martha said this about Mary. She says to, to the Lord, Lord, make Mary help me. Make Mary help me. That's, in essence, that's what she said to him. And uh, she used the words, she says, and, and, and she had a sister called Mary, which said, And Martha was covered about much thing, came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. In essence, she was saying, make Mary help me. In other words, make her quit being spiritual and make her get more carnal like I'm carnal. This is what she was asking the Lord to do to do more of the carnal things. Now, it's the devil's business to try to stop you from worshiping God. Did you know that? He doesn't want you worshiping the Lord. It's the devil doesn't want you to do that. And if you try to get close to God, he tries to hinder you. He will. He'll try to do it. Uh, some of you folks are real praying people. Don't give that up. Whatever you do, don't give it up. Uh, others of us need to draw close to God in prayer. We need to establish a better prayer life. Amen. But the enemy will try to keep you from going to the house of God. He will try to keep you from worshiping when you're in the house of God. He will try to keep you from having a devotional time. Every one of us should have a time that we worship God and talk to God and we have we spend whatever it is just with the Lord. Just you and him and maybe your Bible. I, I would say always have your Bible and read the word. Let him talk to your heart through the word and you talk to him like this. Praise the Lord. You don't have to shout the house, the house down. All you got to do is just talk to him. Just sit if you want to and talk to him. Praise the Lord. Look out the window and talk to him. Get on your knees and talk to him. Close your eyes and talk to him. Walk around and talk to him. But whatever you do, praise the Lord, talk to Jesus. And tell the Lord you love him. And tell the Lord that you need his help. And tell the Lord you want to be a blessing. And just tell him everything you want to tell him. Praise the Lord. Read the word, son. But have that time. And if you do it every day, you would be amazed at how much you will grow in the Lord. You will grow spiritually in God. 
If you say, oh, I'm not good at, you know, trying to hang in there for an hour. All right, just take 15 minutes, 15 minutes a day. Say, this is me and the Lord together, just him and I. We're going to spend 15 minutes together. Make it 30 minutes, whatever. You decide however long you want. I guarantee you, you do it after a while, you'll increase it. You'll increase it. Martin Luther, way back there, years ago, back in, what, three, four hundred years ago, one of the Reformation leaders, they said he prayed four hours every day. He prayed from four o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock in the morning. And they used to ask, they asked him one time, said, I don't see how you have time to spend four hours in prayer. He said, if I didn't pray, I don't know how I'd have time to do anything else. He said, it it, it makes all the time sort of fall in place when I pray. And I think that's true. Praise the Lord. Now, this, uh, these, these sisters here said, make her pray. Now this scripture that I'm reading over here in the book of Exodus, chapter five, verse one, It says, afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Now, the Lord had told Moses and Aaron, said, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Let them go three days into the wilderness so that they may sacrifice unto me and they may worship me. Now, notice what happened. And after Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert and wilderness, into the sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and with sword and so forth. Now look at verse four. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many. We make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day that the taskmasters of the people and their uh, officers say, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as, his, as hither, hitheretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks which they did make hitheretofore ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. And what Pharaoh was saying was the people have got too much time on their hands and therefore give them more work to do. Now, when you start trying to draw nigh unto God, don't you think the devil knows that? And the devil sometimes will start loading stuff on you. Next thing you know, this this is coming up. Next thing you know, you got this telephone call. Next thing you know, you got to go here, run there, run here and there. And along the way, you say, no, sir, I'm going to serve God. And I'm just telling you here that the devil doesn't want you to worship God. That's why when you come to church, he doesn't want to praise God. He doesn't want his pe- God's people praising the Lord. The devil hates us worshiping God. We give him a black eye when we worship the Lord. And when you come to the house of God and you may be tired, you may be sick, you may not feel like it. You may be dragging, whatever it is, but if you come to the house of the Lord and you say, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart and with all of my soul, I want you to know, and you just praise God, I want you to know, praise the Lord, that you give that old enemy a black eye because he does not want you to praise and worship him. Praise the Lord. 
God, that is. You know who he wants you to worship him? He wants you to worship him, the devil. That's who the devil wants you to worship. He wants you to worship the devil. I'm going to show you a verse of scripture for that. I'm going to show you a couple of them. The devil has always wanted uh, people to worship him. And so he fights God for that. I want you to look with me, if you would. I'm going to uh, finish this up. Look in Matthew 4, 8. Look in Matthew chapter 4, and verse 8 with me for a moment. <clears throat> this is whenever Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And uh, I'm fine, brother. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine here. Go ahead. Give me a little bit. <laughs> All right. Again, the, the devil taking them up. This is where Jesus, uh, had, the devil had tempted Jesus a couple of times already. Now, verse 8, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Notice that. And, and said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Ha, ha, ha. And that's something this devil was actually saying to Jesus, if you'll fall down and worship me, I give you all the kingdoms of the world. First of all, he didn't have them all to give to him. I can show you that over in the book of Daniel. He lied. The devil is a liar, folks, and the father of liars. Jesus said that too. He's the father of liars. He's a liar. Amen. When he comes around saying this or that, he's a liar. Stay with the word. The word is always right. Praise the Lord. And so uh, the devil said to him, I'll give you all the kingdom if you'll fall down and worship me because that's what he wants. Now, when the Antichrist comes, when the Antichrist comes to this world, the Antichrist is going to seek to be worshipped. That's what he wants. And he will be, the devil will be in him. The Bible says that, that the Satan will be inside of him. I could take you to Daniel chapter 11, show you uh, scriptures here that talks about the Antichrist. But I'm just going to give you the one over here in 2 Thessalonians very quickly. And I referred to it this morning in our Bible study. And if you'll look with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. This is 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. This is speaking of the Antichrist. And then in verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he, that he as God sitting in the temple of God showing himself that he is God and this is the whole thing and then he will force the whole world to, to worship him and honor him and the false prophet will do the same thing and that's what's going to happen during the tribulation period that's why you want to go in the rapture and be man go when Jesus comes and be ready to go now, why are you saying all that, Brother Myers? I'm trying to say all that so that you understand here that it's Satan's business to try to keep us from worshiping God. He didn't like the fact that Mary was at his feet. Satan didn't like that because Mary chose the good part. And I'm going to encourage every saint in here, folks, choose the good part. Praise the Lord. Choose that good part. Sometimes you come to that place, do, am I going to do this or I'm going to do that? Sometimes just say, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to take time to pray. I'm going to take time to read my Bible. Praise the Lord. I'm going to take time to do the things that God wants me to do that I might draw close to him. Because in drawing close to God, 
praise the Lord, God can begin to work and do things in our lives, folks, that can never be done any other kind of way out here in the world. It comes by the presence and the spirit and the power and the glory of God. Hallelujah. All of us together trying to do one thing with all of our might, all of our strength, all of our efforts, amen, and everything. We couldn't budge something. Jesus can just touch it like that, and it's done. I mean, it's over with. It happens. It's, it's, it's there. Praise the Lord. And the Lord, praise the Lord, wants us to draw nigh to him. I want to finish up with one other thing I want to mention to you here, and this is one that uh, the Lord sort of opened my eyes on this. I read this verse of scripture. It's found in St. John chapter 20. I'm going to close with this, and uh, this is St. John chapter uh, 21, it is, and verse 15. Folks, I have read this verse many times, and I've even had the Lord speak to my own heart through these verses, but I never saw it the way I'm going to talk to you for just a few moments here tonight. And this is where that Peter had said, and Jesus had already resurrected from the dead, and he had, had, he had appeared about two other times to the apostles. And Peter said to some of the other disciples, I go fishing. You know, I'm just waiting around here. What? Haven't seen Jesus for days. We don't know where he is. He's, we know he rose from the dead. Where is he? What's going to happen? I don't know. He said, I'm going fishing. That's what I used to do. That was the thing I used to do for a living. I liked it, enjoyed it. And so uh, he hit the Sea of Galilee and got his boat and and got out there and the others, some of the others said, right, we go with thee. And actually there's about five of those 12 apostles all got together and they all went fishing. They got in a boat and they fished and they fished all night and caught no fishes. <laughs> I like the way the Bible says it, no fishes. And uh, they fished all night and caught nothing. Along about daybreak, they were getting close to the shore of the Sea of Galilee and they saw a lone figure sitting over there on a little stone a little fire going and they looked and they kept looking and John slipped over close to Peter and said it's the Lord and Peter says I know it and everything and then finally Peter couldn't stand it anymore he jumped in the water and he thrashed through that water and he got to the shore and he got over there to that fire and started warming his hands and Jesus said to the others cast thy net on the other side and they did and they had more fish than they could pull in well while the rest of them were pulling the fish in Peter said forget the fish I'm going to the one who knows where the fish are, hallelujah. He went over there and he was by Jesus. He knew he was out of the will of God. He knew he wasn't where he was, should be and what he should be doing, you know. It wasn't that fishing was wrong no more than it was that Mary wanted to clean the house or wanted to, you know, to, to, uh, to, to, to make some coffee. It wasn't that fishing was bad, it wasn't sinful. It was just the better part was doing what the master wanted you to do, and that was to be with him, for him, doing what he wanted you to be, being in the perfect will of the Lord. Praise God. And so Jesus went there, and finally the others all came. They all got around. Jesus said, eat. He had fish on the fire. He already had fish there. They ate fish, and they were hungry. They fished all night, and the cold and all that stuff, and when he got all through. Now look at these words that Jesus said. And folks, I've never seen this before like I saw it just not too many days ago. Look at verse 15. So when they had dined, this is uh, 2115 here in St. John. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. And before I go, this was uh, Jonas's father's name, Jonas. It's also called Jonah. Bar Jonah was bar, the word bar is always son of uh, Simon Bar Jonah. 
is another way it's spoken of. But it's funny that Jesus didn't call him Simon Peter here. He called him Simon, son of Jonas, or son of Jonah. Remember, Jonah was the rebellious prophet <laughs> that took off, and you know, and didn't want to go preach the gospel to Nineveh. Remember that? And all of a sudden, of course, that was the real, that was Simon's real name, was he was the son of Jonas. But it seemed like the Lord deliberately used it here. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And it hit me when I read this recently that Jesus did not say, Simon, lovest thou these more than me? You know, he had been fishing. And he did not say, Simon, do you love these more than me? You notice that now. He didn't say it like that. And when I looked at it and I had to take a double take on it because I thought, why am I thinking like that? Why, why, what difference would it make if it was backwards? And then I realized it was a world of difference. He did not say, do you love these things out here in this old world more than me? Because had Jesus said it that way, Peter could have said, no, Lord, of course not. I don't love this more than you. And he would have implied that he put Jesus and his love for the material things on the same level. You see, I don't love these things here more than you. You know, it's, I, in other words, they're equal. But Jesus didn't ask it like that because he wanted to get deeper than that. He said, Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Did you, are you getting the point I'm bringing out to you here? So when, John, when, when, when Simon Peter had to answer the question, he had to answer it in the positive, he had to tell the Lord, I love you more than these things. It's not that I don't love you any more than any less. It's not that I love these things more than you. That would make them just like this. But he says, Simon, lovest thou me? more than these it had to be up here in other words there's, there's no same level here it's like what Martha was doing is not on the same par with what Mary was doing praise the Lord the Lord wants us to put the spiritual things up higher he wants us praise the Lord to make prayer consecration and faithfulness to church and our walk with God and our spiritual life to be higher than the natural things praise the Lord and he said to Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Simon Peter knew what he meant when he said that. And he said, yes, Lord, three times the Lord asked him that. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. <clears throat> Amen. He, had, he said it three times. That meant beyond a question and without a shadow of a doubt. That's the way it is. So I tell you that here tonight, folks, so that you understand here that when Jesus asked these questions, praise the Lord, he was asking for something more than just the ordinary. I know we all have to work, but God is able to supply us with jobs. I know we all, praise the Lord, have to feed our family, but God is able to provide. I know, let me just say this. <clears throat> if you try to do all those things in yourself, you could, you could work your finger to the bone and never have enough to pay your bills. But when God's hand is in it, this is why paying tithes is such a, is, is such a right thing to do. Because God can do more with 90% than what I can do with 100%. It's the same thing with your time, praise the Lord. 
If you have time that you spend with God and in prayer and in reading your Bible and in walking with God and saying, God, I'm going to be in church every time the doors are open. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be there. And when I am there, I am going to worship. Hallelujah. You folks, excuse me. I know my voice is out, out a little bit right now, but when it gets back, you might just me up here shouting around and hollering around and saying hallelujah loud if you do you just over overlook it and excuse me but i want to tell you something praise the lord i don't want to be way on the end of the line on the in the back of the line praise the lord and glorifying god i want to be on the front lines hallelujah god one of these days jesus is coming back praise the lord and he's coming back for a people that love him Amen. That's walking with him. That's clean and white and pure. Praise God. And when he comes back, amen, he's going to catch us away to be with him in glory. And it'll be something, praise the Lord, that he'll fulfill, that he has promised all of these many, many generations. Praise God. Let's stand together. Would you stand with me and let's lift our hands and let's praise him together right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we love you. Oh, Lord, you're a wonderful God, you're a wonderful Savior, wonderful friend. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for salvation and the gospel. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us here at East Wind Pentecostal Church. And we want you to know that if you'd like to be baptized in Jesus' name, we can do that for you today. We can do it here at the church. We have a baptismal here at the church. We'll even come to your home if you have a swimming pool. We can baptize you in your swimming pool. It's that important for us to help you to be baptized in Jesus' name. We also want you to know that if you'd like to learn more about the Word of God, more about the Bible, that we have experienced teachers that can come to your home, teach you a home Bible study. We can even do a video chat. Whatever works for you, we want you to know that we're here for you. Also, very important, if you need prayer, we have prayer teams that can come to your house, pray for you at your home, or you can even send in your prayer request here to the church. We just want you to know that we're here for you and that we want to do anything that we can to help you in these trying times with your walk with the Lord. You can visit us at www.eastwind.church and our phone number is 321-723-2030. God bless.